Welcome to another week of Austin and Ollie, a sports podcast with your host, Ollie and Austin. And apparently, this is a show just full of jinx. Uh, anything that we say will not happen. Total opposite. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> a little bit of preview of it. Uh, Ravens played last night. Um, snapped their streak at 24 versus the Commanders. And we had just talked about it last week, how they're for sure locked, basically. If you want to add something to your parlay, you should do it. And um, if you're aware of Book It With Trent on Twitter, he smashed their money line and they lost. So I blame him, not us. Um, there's some other jinx that we'll get to, obviously, but another stuff that we're going to hit on. Um, we got a couple segments. Um, Austin's going to oh, be yeah. doing a little college segment. Can't wait for that. A little AU. And um, I'll be doing uh, some baseball stuff, too. Um, some baseball stuff that we're going to talk about is that we went from paper tickets to your phone to now you just need your face to enter baseball games. It's kind of weird. We'll talk about that. And um, is there a Rangers outfielder in the hot seat uh, knowing that there's a prospect down there waiting to get up? He's just battling and waiting to see. Maybe. We'll see. But we'll get going with um. It was a good weekend, at least for Premier League, for the both of us. Yeah, man, it was it was crazy. I'm, I honestly, I don't think I could be as like as excited as I have been in a while. I know, like, I kind of mentioned it in like the Premier League preview a couple weeks ago, but like we went through some dark days, and then like just Ange, the the type of like soccer that the front foot, just like the way that they kind of took it to United the whole game, and it was entertaining. I think was was kind of something that's pretty exciting. And then I mean Chelsea's you know, pretty, pretty abysmal and, uh, yeah. West Ham. We'll get to know, that. I think, yeah. It looked all right, but I think Chelsea, yeah, kind of West Ham just a bigger yeah, club. I think West Ham's just a bigger club than <laughs> yeah. Chelsea, but yeah, go I, ahead. I mean, I mean, I'll agree with you there. I'm not a big Chelsea guy. Um, but yeah, no, it started off, um, Spurs two no win over Manchester United. Um, really kind of, like I said, I think that the majority of the game was, was pretty much played on, on the front foot. It was kind of back and forth until, pretty much the entire first half and you know it kind of ended nil no half but i would still say that it was pretty entertaining i don't know if you had a chance to watch it or not but like i i know like we were talking in the, the like the group chat on twitter and stuff like that and like mm-hmm. it was entertaining and 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 you know things were going back and forth but like really some of the big things that i took away is um used basuma is you know we signed him in brighton last year for conte and then just like didn't really ever play and you know, honestly, I think Antonio Conte is an international criminal for some of the stuff and some of the decisions that he made because, like, the way that Yves Basuma has been playing, and I said it last week and I said it the week before, that he's so crucial in the way that, that Postacoglu likes to kind of set up his system. And really since then, like, he's kind of shown to be, I would say, a top three midfielder in the entire Premier League. And, you know, I want to, like, obviously I'm a homer, but I watch him like week in and week out and just so the way he's playing and just dominating games, I don't see why he's not in the con- the conversation for a top five at worst, a top 10 midfielder in the entire world. Just oh, because yeah. like just the form That's that huge. he's in and, and it's, it's and him and him and Madison, like James Madison are just, like, just revolutionary. I kind of see it. And then like to, to see like where we were playing at last year, a two man midfield and, just could like we're just playing on the counter the entire time and it was football terrorism and to see kind of something like that is is unbelievable um another thing that i want to talk about is uh we had a 20 year old pap matar from i want to say he's from senegal and mm-hmm. he started as well in the midfield next to madison and basuma and just 
the game that he played was was unreal. I mean, he was all over the pitch. He scored the first goal. Um, like he really like him and, and Basuma like basically just did in Casemiro the entire game. And to kind of dominate the midfield like that, and that to put in a performance like that at twenty, and you know to see like somebody like a uh, Bellingham go to Real Madrid for what one hundred and five million pounds or. Mm-hmm. Um, like the money that that Arsenal just played for Declan Rice, and I know they're not really the same kind of midfielder, but it's still like to see something like that, and for Sar to, I think we got him from France for maybe fifteen or twenty million pounds, so something like that, and he's such a young cat that, like, if he kind of keeps going, I mean, the the sky's the limit for him, and it's it's exciting to see, um, but. A lot of this is to say, I kind of mentioned it, but like Antonio Conte, what he did to like basically suck the fun out of Spurs and from somebody like under poach was just like such a like energetic team. I mean, they were really young, really going. And then just to kind of like progressively get more and more defensive, play more and more on a back foot. It's just like, I don't think I can ever have a bigger disdain for a manager than I do for Antonio Conte with this is like some of the stuff that he did. It just didn't make any sense. Oh, gosh. Um, and really the last thing, yeah, it, the last thing is, I think, I don't, I don't think that we need to have it yet, but there's got to be a conversation coming with Richarlison and oh, yeah. whether I think he's the perfect striker for the Postacoglu system, but he's just, he's got to put the ball in the net. And I think that that's kind of his job and it just has yet to happen. So and he hasn't really looked great. I know he's, you know, had some hold of play and, and made some good runs, but still I, I think at the end of the day, right, the goal of a striker and their like their main focus is to score goals. And when you're yeah, not doing that, you're right? not even really yeah. when you're not even not even getting shots off really, I think that that's like that's a conversation that needs to be had. I think that you need to give him a little bit of time and kind of adjust a little bit more, but still I think that like give it five, six games and let's say by the end of September he hasn't scored a goal. I think that we need to kind of figure out like what like do we put Sun through the middle? What what do we do? Because right now I was gonna say because like what's your like we talked about it last week briefly, like what's your other option at forward if it's not him? You said Sun, maybe you put him in the middle. I I don't know how he would work as a striker. Yeah, like I mean realistically it's probably Sun. I think that's what we subbed Richarlison off somewhere in the 75th minute range or something like that, maybe a little bit earlier. And they brought on Ivan Perisic for the left wing and then shifted Sun to mm-hmm. the center. So okay. I, I think that they're like right now I'm in basically and Perisic ended up having the, like the cross to Ben Davies, which and it ultimately led to the own goal. So yeah, I think that, I think that I, I think Sun has, I guess is the option at this moment, but you know, we got, 105 million for Kane up front from Bayern. I think we have to reinvest this somewhere. And I just I don't I don't know what you do. I know we've been linked with uh Brennan Johnson from from Forest. So I mean, maybe that's an option, but I don't know. It's it's we got to bring somebody in that I think can help in the in the short to intermediate term. Yeah, I think that's what you got to do unless you you, have, you still have time. I'm pretty sure uh transfer deadlines August 31st, correct? Yeah, it should be the thirty first. Right, like September end of the 1st, month. So like you still have like I mean yeah. I mean it's coming up, you got a week. So I mean, like you said, you got yeah. all that money. And if you maybe you play another game this weekend and you gotta go, oh god, okay, maybe Richardson's yeah, not the guy for us. So you gotta go and try to yeah, find something. 
short term, like you said, it's, or even long term if you're lucky. Yeah, and I think that you know I know I've seen a lot of smoke around, uh, like maybe a week ago. Like this time last week was like Gift Orban, that that striker from Ghent or from Belgium. But now it's a lot has been about Brandon Johnson, so could be a good option. I mean, he's like 21 or 22. He can play on the wing. He can play striker. He's been really good for Forrest. I mean, Forrest was a relegation contender last year, and I think he had maybe nine or 11 goals, somewhere in, in that range, and can can do a little bit of everything, which is, you know, pretty versatile and nice to have. So, you know, 22, English as well. I mean, there's always like – I mean, we're not in European competition right now, but there's like a homegrown issue that comes around. So, um, yeah, I don't know when. We'll see. We need to bring something in. So, we got – who do we play this weekend? Oh, uh, Bournemouth. I think I think we played Bournemouth this weekend. So Oof. not like anything too worried about it. It's, but so I mean we need to. Richarlison's. I think the goals will come. It's just it, say it doesn't here in the next week or so. I mean we really gotta have a conversation before the end of the deadline. No, for sure. So let's see if y'all figure so, that out. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But yeah, man, the transition year to your side of of London, uh, West Ham three one win over Chelsea. Um, you can say Paquetta bet on himself to dominate. Oh God! Oh, that's that? for sure. The way he celebrated, yeah. he for sure had some money on him scoring <laughs> a, a no look pen in an in injury time for sure. Yeah, that's what he was trying to do. That whole speculation is yeah, but... crazy to me, with the yellow card yeah, and then Paquetta Island crazy. or whatever. And then, like... Yeah, and then, like, you have um, – and it's kind of crazy to see, like – I know we'll kind of talk about it a little bit later in, like, the college football like preview that I want to do. But, I mean, there's so many athletes right now that are getting popped for, um, for like, betting and sports betting and, and just kind of showing that, like, hey, like, you can't really bet. And I don't know if – I know, that, like, a podcast just came out today with Yvonne Tony from oh, – Yvonne Tony one looks pretty good, yeah. Yeah, so I, I that's kind of on my list to watch, but I know like just seeing like the stuff like that, and I I think one of the clips that I saw from Tony was like you know I never bet on myself to like do anything bad. I only bet on myself to score, and I bet on like I was just betting on myself. So like you kind of see it that way, but still like it's just like kind of unethical areas. So yeah, we'll but see. then he's, but, no, I mean it happens you... everywhere. It's crazy. Like I mean you had it back yeah. then. It hasn't happened in baseball since. Who was, do you remember who was, I was going to say Pete Rose, the one that got caught. And I think ever since then, it's like, okay, they did something serious to a really good player. So let's, you know, maybe we shouldn't do this within ourselves or whatever. But it happens with every sport, uh, except for baseball now, like I said. I think they're waiting for something big to happen or just to like, instead of just like a, you know, smack in the hand and be like, hey, don't do that. You know, we see it all over until I think something big happens. Happened in the NFL, yeah, Calvin Tony, Ridley. I mean, last year. Yeah, exactly. And and Tony got what an eight eight month ban or something like that. So that's yeah. pretty significant. And he's somebody that that is like pretty integral to his team. So I don't know, man. Hopefully, and you could say in the prime of his career too. Yeah, I mean, what is he? Twenty six, twenty seven, like just back. Was like twenty six, twenty seven? But he ate, this year he just broke through and he got his first England call up. Yeah, all this yeah, and like and you like, could say he bet on himself to be this good and then he actually did really so yeah he did so maybe we shouldn't use that phrase yeah, anymore so lightly yeah i know right um so yeah so back to west ham how do you how do you feel about the game and and kind of west ham man. Um, to kind of the... yeah no i i told you last week not too many bad jinks i kind of said hey um yeah. we usually do kind of good against chelsea we perform pretty well i don't know what it is but like i said in west ham all that or chelsea all that money they've spent 
and still nothing, which is crazy to me. But um, no, I lo- I mean, I wasn't able to catch some of the games since stuff happened, but yeah, watch the highlights, and I knew everybody was loving James Ward Prowse on his very first start. Yeah, which was lovely. He got two assists, man. He's he's so good, bro. Um, I think that really helped our midfield. Like I said last week, um, to have someone else to having that holding mid position, or just more fluently to get Paqueta get more freedom up at the front, which is kind of what happened. And then um, we got to see 15 minutes from Edson Alvarez, um, our Mexican, and he's already a a fan favorite for 15 minutes. Already making um, compilations of him, making waves, and they're like, oh, he's like, dude, this guy's gonna, we're gonna, he's gonna kill it. I think he is. And uh, Suchek had a really big game, too. I think he really stepped up, yeah. other than getting absolutely cooked on the Chelsea goal. <laughs> he got put in a blender. I was watching the highlights. My so, God. Yeah. Do you think, uh, do you think, I'm assuming Edson is basically going to be contending for Suchek, Suchek's spot, right? Or is it kind of yeah, like. Yeah, that's what I guess. Cause I think those the two and then like came out. Prowse. Yeah. Because I guess. Because I know we yeah, said four probably, now. I would out. assume. It, yeah, because I would assume, right, it'd be like a. Almost like a Edson, uh, or Suchek, and then James Ward Prowse is like a double pivot with like allowing, uh, Paquette to kind of kind of roll up to yeah. like ten slash. That's what I'm seeing. It's gonna be tough. I think what it was primarily was that Suchek replacement because he had a really good season with us the year before, not this oh, past two years season. Ago, right? Yeah, yeah, two years ago was really good. You know, winning headers and just being the Turkish guy that Turkish salary or something. There was like an inside joke within the club or whatever. But he yeah. was just beating everyone up, you know, and then he just had a really, like, week last year. He looked really fatigued out there, but there was no one really else that we could play. And then yeah, now I think he's sense. making it hard. I mean, you got your replacement. I guess that kind of was like, okay, maybe I should start, like, trying. Start and he looked playing. really good yeah. so far the first two games. But, I mean, I think it's a good problem to have. And, like, you can see you can maybe get 15, 30 minutes of Edson. I, don't, I mean, I wish I could watch him play the whole game. But if Suchek earns yeah. that spot, he's been there for longer. Um, so we'll see how it ends up going for them. Yeah. And I think that like, that's whenever you start getting depth like that and you're, you're starting to have tough conversations on like, you know, who needs to start. I think that's when you know that you're like doing things right. Um, Mm -hmm. as like a club. And I know like, right. Whenever it took a while for, for West Ham to kind of do anything after, after you guys sold the rise. So like to start bringing in people like that is, is like, James Wood Prowse and then Edson and all that stuff and then you guys just got yeah, the, why we waited back, so long. the Greek center back. Yeah. The Greek and center so like, backs. He plays center back yeah. right back that could really help out with um uh Sufal. I mean I was a fan of Sufal too. Like I think two years ago when like West Ham was like finished what top eight, top nine, top eight to get yeah. to the Western Con- or the Western I was just gonna say Western the, Conference. The, yeah, like, East, East <laughs> European Conference League Championship. Um he was really solid, I think with Suchek too, and then now we like we had no yeah. other option at right back. We tried Ben Johnson. He was good for a little bit. I thought he was promising. He's a young, promising player, but then he couldn't do it. Uh, we got yeah. Thilo Kerr, which I was a really big fan of. German international. Yeah, I thought he was... And he wasn't able to fit in either. He just was just... Done it. He would get beat. Yeah, I don't know why. Just, it just shows you how different Premier League is from like a bunch of leagues. It's really hard for people to adapt to. You can be crazy somewhere yeah. else and then come here and then... I don't know, physicality or whatever, pace of play. But it just shows how competitive it is, and I love it. But... Yeah. So, yeah, I can play center back, right back. Um, but I think our center back spots from, are really from? Uh, Stuttgart, I think. Stuttgart, okay. Germany. Yeah. I think they got relegated yeah. last year, if I'm correct. Nah. He was pretty. I mean, he was too. decent for them. Like He was our best player for sure, I think. Yeah, I was looking at his stuff. Sense. But um, I think our center back spots are, are placed up. I like Zuma. I love Aguard or, or whatever you say his last name. 
yeah. the, um, Moroccan. And he got his stupid okay, yeah, red card go. last week. So maybe you'll get to see him this week because it was an idiot. Like, I don't know why he tackled. He already had a yellow and he went in super yeah. late in the midfield for no reason. But I love our center back positions. Like, again, maybe depth and maybe you, you probably slides into that right back spot. Okay. No, it's, I mean, so, yeah, it's good to have. It's a long season and you guys are in Europa League right now that you, since you yes. guys won the conference league this year. Yeah. yeah so that's so, going mean, to be, so you're really going to need those players. Maybe we'll see a lot of more Edson too in those tournaments. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, you and let Suchek get that rest. Because, yeah, I would be surprised that, you know, Edson kind of plays a little bit more in Europa League, especially because he has that, like, experience playing in, like, Champions League with Ajax and stuff like that, too. Yeah. So, and if you try to think about it, you put that, the pieces together with, that's what could have been last year. Like, we didn't have two squads. Yeah. Like, we, if you watch this play, Premier League, Conference League, it the same, Cup, it was almost the, it was the same team, but our keeper. It would be Areola yeah, playing instead of um, Fabianski. Um, but, um, yeah. It was. I think that's. I think that's what it was at the end of the day. Like it really was. I mean, playing that much football, bro, that hurts. That's crazy. Yeah, it's tough. And it, so like, I think and having that people to gonna, rotate is going to really help out. Absolutely, and that's like and that's kind of could probably speak on why Suchek was like you know, kind of had a bad season last year because he's playing so many games and just not getting ready. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then so. one more thing with uh, being, we'll head over to the next game. Um, yeah, Flint Downs was loaned out. It was you could it could have been a swap with Ward Prowse. He went to Southampton. Um, okay. he's, he was supposed to be a really good promising player when we got him from Swansea, I think. He had, like, the best, like, passing complete, uh, completed percentage in um, championship. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh, bro, this is going to be, like, the Rice replacement or, like, the Mark Noble replacement. Um, he just wasn't able to fit yes. in. So he would be on a season-long loan playing 90 minutes, replacing James Ward-Prowse. So we'll see how he does, too. Yeah. No, and I think like that's I know like Spurs just loaned out Joe Roden to Leeds or something like that too. So mm-hmm. I think it's like good for for like younger guys in their early twenties, so that you know maybe were like great championship players and came up and just like didn't really do anything in the prem. So kind of get that get that rhythm back of playing every day and yeah, keep them consistently playing because it's just gonna hurt them playing on the bench yeah, or just staying absolutely. on the bench. I get yeah, practice works, but I think just game time experience is what's gonna get you the best out of it. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I guess kind of the last thing that I want to talk about the game is, um, you know, I kind of mentioned that we need to, we might need to have a conversation about Richarlison, but I think Chelsea fans kind of need to, you know, look, look inside and, and see like, hey, like, do we have what it takes to actually be a competitive team this year? Um, one thing that I kind of was shocked was since January 1st of this year, they have, Chelsea has five wins in all competitions and non like competitive matches. So not friendly matches. Um, Enzo Fernandez, you know, big 120 million Euro signing. Mm-hmm. He has one. Okay. I technically it's three wins in the premier league, but I saw that tweet, one yeah. win. Yeah. <laughs> one win against an active premier league team. So I just think that like, I may, I'll hit on it later, you know, and you know, when we start kind of talking about hot takes for the week, but you know, I think, Chelsea are might be in some serious problems, and they have a run. I know you had kind of mentioned last week about West Ham's run of fixtures that you guys kind of have coming up right mm-hmm. now, but like Chelsea has a run of fixtures coming up in October, from October to December. Yeah, that let's see what they got. I think they they play like they play Spurs, they play Arsenal, they play City, um, they play. I think yeah. Brentford maybe too. Like they play a lot of really really good teams. And there's a very, very real shot that, in my mind, that Pochettino is not the coach come Christmas time. 
Oh wow! With how okay. with how like and with how Chelsea kind of burns through managers and burns through teams. So I yeah, it wouldn't man. surprise me. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. So, but anyway, kind of to kind of keep it moving. I know we got a, a lot of stuff to talk about today. Um, the other two big games that we that were kind of on the docket this weekend was uh, Manchester City and Newcastle. Um, ended one nil for Manchester United or Manchester City. Sorry. Um, and really, one, the big thing that I wanted to see with this game is is how City would react with losing KDB for an extended period of time with injury. Mm-hmm. And I was watching the extended highlights, and like Phil Foden balled out. I don't Dude, know Phil if you had a chance to watch him, but like he's Phil a dog. Foden's and an I, I was really dog. thinking, yeah. And I was my thought was like, this is kind of going to be the year that he like. He's always been good, but I think this is the year that he like propels he himself to be on the world stage. Mm-hmm takes that leap right because they have they like Gundogan's not there anymore and like they just need somebody to like fill that midfield spot and obviously Pep is a is a great manager but yeah, he like, figures and especially out. with KDB KDB being out for an extended period of time like this is going to be Phil Foden's show to like basically run City and run their midfield um and really the last thing that I have is I think that there's like a lot of people mention Erling Haaland when it comes to like being a really, really good goal scorer and being proficient at what he does. But there also is a narrative about how he just in big games, he's not there. And another big game against another team that is, I would probably say Newcastle or a top four contender. He wasn't there. He didn't, he didn't perform. And I mean, there was just, he probably had five or six shots. I don't know the the number off the top of my head, but just, scuffed a lot of them just like just really just wasn't there and you know a lot of the playmaking was coming from you know Phil Foden really was pulling the strings and then Julian Alvarez had a fantastic finish to I think I think Pope could have done a little bit better my little like inside like keeper instincts Pope being that big he's got to be more athletic I think Pope is the biggest unathletic keeper I've seen in my life (laughs) if I'm being honest he's what like six Six, he's got, six? Yeah, he's he's like six six. I think he's up there. I know that whole like the whole the whole Newcastle defense aside from Trippier is like six three up and up. Oh, so yeah, it's there. It's that's how they were so good last year on set pieces and stuff yeah. like that. So I also think it was interesting just to see how you said Man City rebounding or seeing how they would um, react to react. missing KDB, and then also just seeing Newcastle and see if I know it's obviously a little too early to start. Um, yeah, putting measures on teams. Yeah, yeah, but you absolutely. see last week, you know, they do, they dominated Aston Villa uh, 10 men, or not 10 men, but whatever. They got the injury with Mings. Uh, but yeah. um, but then you got to play at Man City, and you wanted to see if Tonali, your guy, your flop of the season, and looked pretty yeah. bad. He was getting clowned all over social media. So, yeah, I mean, I think that was like, another good thing to see. Yeah, I'm, I'll tell you what. I'll take a victory lap whenever I get something right. It'll come no, eventually. We need to. When we're I'll, in this podcast, need, if you get something, something right... We all need I to need take a lap. Something. I need something. Um, but yeah, man. So I don't know. We'll kind of keep an eye on that as the season progresses. Um, be interesting to see, especially when like, I think like I'd already mentioned it, but Liverpool don't have a deep squad, but like city also are kind of in the same boat. Like they have the money to spend whatever they want, but when it mm-hmm. comes in the midfield, like, I don't think that they really have that deep of a squad. So really with, don't. you know, Carabao cup coming up, uh, they won't play FA Cup till the start of the year, but like also Champions League and stuff like that. They're supposed to make a run. So like it's curious to see when the fixture congestion happens, like how they react and yeah. say somebody like a Foden gets injured or what God forbid, like Holland gets injured. Like what are they gonna do? Yeah, I mean and, they have Kovacic you know, starting for them, bro, for God's sake. 
Yeah. Well, that's crazy to me. He so, starts and I think that, yeah, and I think that their defense is kind of going to be their saving grace of the year because they have, a, I mean, they spent, what, like $80 million on uh, Guardiol from Leipzig, mm-hmm. and they just stuck him at left back versus, you know, playing him at his natural, like, left center back position. So, and then, uh, I mean, just having like just having something like that. I mean, it's going to be hard to score against City, and they're going to be they're going to be pretty damn good. Yeah, at and that. you have you like, said, like injuries are going to come into play here soon too. I think. Yeah, I mean, the season exactly. just started, and you're already out with KDB and John Stones. That thing was really yeah. one of their like um, he was underrated player players last, year. last, player last season. Year. Yeah, I think he was really Absolutely. underrated. He was playing everywhere, and he was amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it'll be interesting to see. Um, and then the last really portion of the Premier League that I want to talk about is Brighton again. Um, I'm so I'm so impressed with them. They got to be contenders, I, I like, think, at this point. I, I I don't I mean I don't see why they're not. I really don't. And they so Brighton beat uh, they played Wolves. Um, I think it was in Wolverhampton, and they won four one. And they, it was four zero pretty much like fifty five or so minutes into the game. Um, yeah. Matoma, I don't know if if you've had a chance to like really watch him, but he is a he's a dog dog. He kept an eye on him since last and, year for fantasy, bro. And yeah, he was my fantasy. first pick, like my first on. It was Holland and him. I had to make sure they were on my team. Yeah, on the team. Yeah, and he's just like he's an absolute stud. And I, you know, I've seen like I how I'd kind of mentioned Basuma being, you know, maybe being a top five midfielder in the world. I mean, what's the saying that Matoma right now is in the top five winger in the world just with his form. I mean, he's playing unbelievable. Um, and then the uh, the guy that's also playing on the, on the other side of him is Solly Marsh, and you know another two goals from him, big mm-hmm. chance created. I mean, he's not getting any love, but like on any other team, I think Solly Marsh is is getting talked about. Um, and then Stupinian, like just, I mean, I think he's in the conversation for probably one of the top left backs in the entire Premier League. Yeah, he's another goal to assist. Yeah, and then the guy that I was kind of really impressed with that I don't think we're kind of talking about enough is um, he plays like their 10, uh, Julio Enciso, I think is how you mm-hmm. say it. He's a 19-year-old Paraguayan. Um, I think they got him in January maybe last year. Um, two assists. His first assist on the goal to Solly Marsh, he was like on the left wing and hit like an outside of the boot, like cross to yeah. – um, to Marsh, like literally pin perfect. It was unbelievable. And just like he's he's just been pulling like pulling strings up there as they're like kind of like 10 position. And you know, I he's really 19. think like, for any 19 from 19 year old Paraguay. And to see somebody like that, and I think he's been he's pretty much balled both of the games that they've had this season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're just and then they're doing this with, with Danny Welbeck as their striker. Danny Welbeck, you know I mean? baby. Like, Magical yeah, like it just it doesn't make any sense and you know i think the Zerbi is is probably in my opinion probably the best manager right now in the premier league him oh, and pep are up there right there and just like the job that he's doing i mean it's it's got to be a matter of time before somebody is looking for a new manager and tries to take him from brighton i mean it's not but, the first time it's happened and knowing it's a step yeah. in the wrong direction for a brighton manager yeah yeah, I know, right? So, I mean, this the way that the way that they're playing right now. It's I'm really excited to see them. I think they're in Europa League this year, if I'm correct, with with uh, yeah. West Ham. So, I'm really, really excited to see what they do in, in Europa League whenever they start playing European competition, um, and seeing you know how their squad depth kind of. I was gonna say, yeah, hopefully it doesn't kinda, come into like West Ham's like 
I don't want to say you can compare him to West Ham's run that they had last couple seasons, yeah, you no. know, with like, you know, being able to at some I mean I remember watching West Ham at some point they were fighting top four, the Champions League. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then so, you have them I, have this big fall. So you can kinda I mean or even maybe like a Leicester run, if if I'm being honest. Yeah, and I on I would I I kind of feel like Brighton has a really good shot at having a Leicester run like that. And I mean, just if they keep playing the way they have been playing, and they haven't really played besides Villa, but I mean, whenever they kind of start getting into the traditional top six, I'll be interested to see how they do. Yeah, we'll um, see. We'll see how they do against my Hammers next weekend. So I mean, come on now, come on now, though. <laughs> I don't know about all that. I don't know. I, I like faith. Come on, keep us up. We're undefeated right now, bro. We're undefeated. Yeah, as a yeah, we'll see how long that stays. But and then really, uh, one thing the last like little note about that game is um, Wolves. So I know that I had kind of mentioned that I think I had I had Wolves rock bottom, and yeah. you know they just got pummeled. But when you kind of look at the stats, and I don't know how what you kind of think about like expected goals and stuff like that, but um, they had two point one four expected goals to Brighton's two point two two. So like expected goal wise, like pretty similar. But one thing that I think is going to kill Wolves is that they missed four big chances. They went 0 for 4 when it comes to big chances, while whereas Brighton, I think, went 3 for 4 and converted three of their four. So mm-hmm. that's something that when you're like, when you have a really good chance of being relegated, like you can't let those chances go begging. And that was a big problem that Leeds had last year. And look what they're doing now. They're scrapping it out in their championship. So definitely a lot to be concerned about if you're a Wolves fan, which I don't know how many of them are. I don't think I know any Wolves fan, man. I there shouldn't be I any Wolves fans. No, not from the states. No way. But yeah, man. Do you have? That's kind of all I had on the Premier League. Do you have any last thoughts or anything like that? Um, no, nah, man. I think that's all I got. You know, teams cool. are good, and like, let's kick it to the yeah. to the AU, Austin University, AU, bro. Taking yes. applications. Yeah, welcome, welcome to Austin University. So this is going to be, especially during the college football season, it's kind of going to be a recurring segment. We can talk about. You know, uh, college football, what's going on? What are some of the big storylines? Um, being both of us being in Texas, you know, I'm a TCU fan. A lot of what I'll, I'll talk about is the Big 12, just because that's kind of what I know. And that's, you know, what I spend time and pay attention to on a daily basis. But still, I kind of pay a lot of attention to, you know, college football landscape as a whole. And Ollie, I know that you're not like super big into it. This is going to be your first season. Uh, first season yeah. really following uh, it, so I'm I wanted to kind of give this you. Year, so I'm learning with everyone, yeah. so I'm listening with ears. To, yeah, so uh, in this segment for sure. So I wanted to kind of give a little bit of breakdown on like what's currently going on in the college football landscape. So the first major thing that you need to be aware of is realignment. So you know, imagine like in the Premier League, you know, you had teams like West Ham, or let's say the Big Six wanted to go and just form a Super League. Same thing. Well, mm. in college football, same kind of deal is happening. Where, you know, the big major names, um, Oklahoma, Texas, they're they're moving to the SEC starting in 2024. Uh, UCLA and USC, they're moving to the Big Ten in 2024. So you're starting to see a lot of big brands move throughout the nation. And instead of worrying about playing local rivalry, they're getting paid to go play places. So they're going to these conferences that are getting the biggest payouts revenue-wise from television ad revenue. So um, to kind of give you a little history on it, right, there was, there's always been realignment throughout college football, but this most recent wave started in 2021 in, in the summer um, where Oklahoma and Texas agreed to move to the SEC beginning in 20, it was 2025, but they eventually negotiated it to be a year early to 2024. So that basically 
was the first domino to fall and it kind of kicked this whole chain reaction of everything that progressed moving forward up really till current day so in response the big 12 obviously losing two of their marquee teams they go to add um four teams so they add byu central florida cincinnati and houston yeah so basically now starting in 2023 you'll see byu ucf houston and cincinnati playing in the big in the big 12 and then it kind of after 2021 it was kind of calm for until the next summer so last summer um one of the big major dominoes that that fell after that was usc ucla and they're leaving the pac-12 to move to the big 10 so they're playing ohio state penn state michigan so again you're seeing conferences that aren't regional they're nationwide because i mean usc and ucla are based in los angeles and now they have to go to new jersey to play rutgers or pennsylvania to play penn state so again a lot of these big schools and big names are going to where the money's at and then it was kind of quiet for a while after that and then in july of this summer was when the next like major domino fell and that was basically the fall of the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 as a conference losing its stability because Colorado decided that they're going to move to the Big 12 because they found that the Big 12 was more stable. They have the brands. TCU last season just went to the national championship game. So you're seeing that, you know, even though it's not those top two conferences in the, the Big 10 and SEC, it's probably up there as the probably the third best conference. So, and then to follow them, uh, the Pac-12 was further weakened by Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah moving to the Big 12 with Colorado starting in 2024. So, you'll basically have the Big 12 as going to have 16 teams now starting next year, which is going to be awesome. It's going to be a great conference, a lot of fun, and a lot of old rivalries are kind of picking back up. And so, yeah, so really that caused Washington, Oregon to join the Big 10. And that was really like the last major domino to fall. So now in the Pac-12, you have four remaining teams um, next year. You have Stanford and Cal and then Washington State and Oregon State. They're kind of the last four that are like left hanging high and dry. So now it's like, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to add teams that are kind of on the Western side? So like San Diego State, maybe Um, there's, you know, talks of trying to like SMU has kind of had talks of trying to go over there, but really like what it's looking at right now is that Stanford and Cal are going to leave the PAC 12 to try and go to the ACC, which doesn't make sense because the ACC is literally the Atlantic coastal conference and they're as far West as you can go. But like I said, at this point, it doesn't really make any sense region wise. They're just going from, yeah. So that's pretty much the landscape. There's a lot of people, a lot of moving pieces. And I think next year in 2024, it's going to be a very different landscape to what you're seeing. So that's what you need to know realignment wise. So now like looking at the season coming up. So typically you have, you know, the last, last 10 years, it's been Alabama. That's kind of been the team to beat the last four years. It's been Georgia. Well, both of those people, both of those teams are missing quarterbacks. They don't have a quarterback. That's, you know, uh, Bryce Young, a Tua, um, even Stetson Bennett, who was the quarterback at Georgia the last three years, that took what, the back-to-back championships. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's how I feel about it too. Um, even like another power, like Ohio State's kind of always been in that top four conversation. They don't really have a quarterback. They they don't have a a guy like a CJ Stroud or you know, 
who was even before that? Uh, Justin Fields. So there's a lot of guys, a lot of big, big name teams that don't have those, those starting quarterbacks. So that leaves, you know, who has the best talent out there? Um, teams to look out for university of Texas. Everybody says it every year. Oh, Texas is back. You know, there are always a top 10 roster in the entire college football landscape, but this is the year that a lot of people are saying actually is the year. Whether that's true or not, and they'll prove not to be Texas, we'll see. I don't know if I buy it. I, it'll kind of be one of those things is when I see it, I'll believe it kind of thing, especially mm-hmm. since TCU kind of plays them every year. So <laughs> I don't know, man. We'll see about that. Um, I think Michigan is going to be really, really good. They're returning both of their starting running backs that ran for – I think they each ran over 1,500 yards last year. My God. Um, yeah, and just absolute studs. Um, they're returning their quarterback back, J.J. McCarthy, who is, you know, he was all right. He wasn't – he kind of – he played pretty poorly in the Fiesta Bowl, which lost them the game, I think, against TCU. So – and, they're, they're you know, they play good defense, but, you know, to look out and kind of watch as like a storyline for them is they're really experienced. They play really good football. They're pretty sound. But are they going to be a team that, you know, finally gets over that hump? Um, I think this is two years in a row that they've lost the national semis. So what are you going to do? Um, my probably preseason favorite to win a national championship is LSU. I think LSU, you know, they always have the athletes to do it. They always have the recruits to do it. They have a pretty good quarterback that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see take that like Joe, Joe Burrow level like step that, you know, he did in his second year in the program. So. I want to say he transferred to LSU from Arizona State, I think is where he transferred from last year, and played pretty well, beat Alabama in a big game in, in Death Valley. So it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of keep that up. Um, kind of on the West Coast, you have USC. USC has the reigning Heisman winner in Caleb Williams. He's going to be a stud and, you know, is probably, I would say probably the 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 favorite at the beginning of the year to, re- one, repeat his Heisman. And then two to go first overall in NFL draft. For sure, so, yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, that's yeah, exciting. So I can't that. wait to. I'm, like, I don't watch college football, but I know. Um, was it Caleb Williams? Right, you said. Yeah, yeah, Caleb. Williams, yeah, I know yeah. he's. Yeah, I know so, he's supposed to like he was tearing it up last year, and we'll see if he does it again this year and to um, yeah. put in so, the NFL and, too. I mean, exactly. So they and they have a really good coach, um, Lincoln Riley. He's this is mm-hmm. his second year now at USC, so. Those guys will kind of be in the system again another year, or kind of figure out how to do it and how to play. And, you know, just like I've kind of mentioned, like with Texas, they always have a good roster. Everybody wants to be in L.A. They have the best talent from California um, and really on the West Coast. So, you know, coming maybe next this time next year, like I wouldn't be surprised if, if they're somebody that, you know, had a really good year and was in the national championship or won it. Um, and I kind of left in here, Georgia. They are losing a lot. They're losing their quarterback, which is a big piece. But they're still going to have the best defense in football. So I think that if you look at it that way, they're going to be a tough a tough team to beat. And I don't I don't know if they have it to go to to kind of run the table and repeat. But they're going to be a really really tough team. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're in that conversation for the best team in the nation the rest of the year. So in general. That's the college football landscape. There's a lot of a lot of fun teams out there um, that are smaller and stuff like that. But that's like the big things to to look forward to coming forward. All right, 
And so the last thing to talk about football-wise or college football-wise is the Big 12. So I've kind of already mentioned it. So I, I have on here the Big 12, like, media prediction. So Texas was pretty much the overwhelming favorite to be the, the winners of the Big 12. They had 41 first, first place votes. They're kind of everybody's pick to go from the Big 12 to the to the championship, which honestly, I, I think that there's a clear, like, in my head, there's three teams that really, really have a shot at doing so. And I think that's Texas. I think that's Kansas State. And I think that's TCU. Um, I think that Kansas State returns a really good quarterback. And his name is Will something. I, I will... I can't remember what it is, but he finished, he came into the season against TCU and just played lights out and ultimately kind of led them to the Big 12 championship last year over TCU. So I think that they're, he's a really good quarterback and their head coach, uh, Chris Kleiman is probably up there for one of the best teams and our best coaches in the nation for sure. Um, Oklahoma. I think that they have a lot of talent, but they were picked third, and I, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't think that they're going to kind of be what, what you think and what a lot of people expect. Um, Texas Tech is kind of a sneaky, like, dark horse for the Big 12. There's a lot of people that are saying that their coach, Jerry McGuire, or Joey McGuire, is, like, one of those guys that's, like, a really, really good recruiter. They just had their best recruiting class probably of all time. And so they have a lot of, like, really good pieces, and they're a really experienced team coming back. So, you know, I wouldn't really be surprised if you see them in Arlington playing in a Big 12 championship coming, you know, December or whatever. Um, and I'll kind of write it out with TCU. Obviously, they're a, you know, my team kind of home field favorite, but I think that they, like, they got better. They lost eight people to the draft, but they, I mean, they are returning the guy that was originally supposed to be starting at quarterback before they got hurt to Matt and having Max Duggan, the guy that was our quarterback the rest of the year um, and, and eventually went to the Heisman and took his national championship. But Chandler Morris, the guy that's starting a quarterback and he was the guy that's supposed to be starting over him. We returned like seven defensive starters um, just had probably the best recruiting class in TCU's history, a, probably a top, top 10 or top 15 transfer class in the nation. So they're going to be guys that are going to be really, really good, really experienced. I've played a lot of high-level football, so that's going to be really, really good. Um, and honestly, my pick to go to the Big 12 Championship is probably Texas and TCU. I think that they're the two teams that are the best and well-rounded and a lot of experience. Um, a sneaky, sneaky dark horse from, like, the bottom, bottom, like, let's just call it the bottom six or seven in the conference is Central Florida. I think Central Florida has a lot of really, really good talent. They're a super big school in, in Florida, and they're able to get a lot of those guys that – went to like a high level school, like a Florida, Florida state, uh, Georgia or something like that. And looking to come back home to Florida. So they have a really good transfer class, really good quarterback. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see what they do. And I'm interested to see them playing, you know, power five football for the first time, but thank you for sitting in class at Austin, uh, Austin university. That was a lot of college football kind of drinking from our fire hose. My throat, I don't know if you can tell I've had to stop like four times because I've been coughing from talking so much. So yeah, that is your first lecture. Ollie, do you have any questions on the landscape of college football? Thank you, professor. I think I learned a couple of things here <laughs> and there. I will definitely be paying attention this uh, year for sure. Just because of yeah. this and just, I don't know. I've just never been into it. Like I just think obviously NFL is just better. 
But, you know, there's a debate yeah. of like, oh, but these guys are playing, you know, harder to try and get their paychecks in the NFL. But in the NFL, you're already getting paid, blah, blah, blah. But we'll see how it goes this year. But um, I don't know. I never had a team. I told you last year, I was like, I'm following Ohio State. Like, Ohio State usually yeah, produce some fair. pretty some big ballers. So, yeah. you know, Zeke and stuff like that. Um, But, yeah, uh, just I guess one question was, so are you on board with the realignment stuff? Like, everyone moving to, like, the powerhouse, basically? <laughs> I think it's a twofold kind of thing. I think that on like a, let's just say like a capitalism thing, like I completely understand, right? Like, and I understand that a lot of these schools, they're chasing the money, but like a sentimental point of view, like it sucks because you're, you know, you grow up and you see, you know, like OU in Texas, like always playing and they'll still play, but like always playing in the, you know, the Red River shootout a red river red river rivalry and playing you know seeing you know like seeing tcu play them every year or like a big one is uh ou and oklahoma state like the bedlam rivalry like you're not going to see that every year now because ou is you know leaving and chasing the bag to go to play these big schools um and like to see you know a school like usc and ucla move to the big 10 like they are literally going cross country i think like worst case scenario, they could travel like 7,000 miles in a year to go play, you know, all of these schools on the East coast. And it just like, it doesn't make sense from a location side. And from like, I, I think I saw a tweet today that kind of sums it up perfectly for a casual fan, a casual fan. It's awesome. It's fantastic. You see the biggest names play the biggest teams week in, week out. But from like a diehard fan, it sucks because you those like regional rivalries that you have, you're just not going to get any. So it's, you know, a double-edged sword. Uh, I understand it, but I can't say that I'm not a little hurt by it. Okay, so what I'm hearing is I'll love watching this. I picked the right time to watch it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it'll be, there'll be a lot of really good games that, like, a lot of good team games, fun games that, like, for the landscape of college football, it's it's entertaining to watch for sure. Yeah, and I think it's like like you said, I could bring you like briefly to a little bit to soccer, how they try to do like the super league stuff. Yeah, it's like the same thing. I think if you're a casual, if you watch it, you're like, hey, like it's gonna be Real Madrid and Man City or whatever, like consistently more yeah. or whatever, like kind of like a fake Champions League or whatever. But then if from like a true hard like soccer fan, you're like, yeah, but then you miss like the like smaller teams playing the bigger teams and these small ass stadiums, or like exactly. you know them upsetting like the the big dogs, you know, like Goliath versus David and stuff like that. Like you're you not going to be seeing a, that as much. You miss much. a team like, exactly. You miss a team like Luton Town going to the Premier League playing week in and week out. Mm -hmm. And like from a college football landscape, it would be like, uh, like an early 2000s, like Boise State and was like one of those schools that like were just like a, like a mid-major team, but like had a chance to play Oklahoma and upset them in the Fiesta Bowl. And so, like, that's something that you wouldn't, you're not going to be able to see as much or near as often because, like, this landscape is changing where, you know, people are chasing, like, colleges and universities are chasing the money, which is understandable, and I get it, because, like, that's how the world is ran, but, like, still, it sucks. I was saying, like, I'm, as much, like, as terrible as it sounds, it's, I mean, it's a business at the end of the day. So exactly. that's what they're they're doing, you know? So exactly. Only so much I can control. That's it, man. That's it. That's it. All right. Close my book. Uh wrote down my notes. 
that was AU. Um, we'll be um, school just started, so this was perfect, man. Everyone's back in school, so yeah. now we'll be Everybody's back for next back week. This is a weekly class. Um, That's it. So yeah. hope you guys are. College football starts first... this weekend. College football exactly. starts this oh, weekend. Okay. So, so we got, got the first games. So we'll go yeah, you'll tell me when, yeah, which man. ones to watch, bro, and I'll watch. Absolutely, say less. For sure. Okay, so let's um let's take it on to um all in the outfield. If you can't put that together, it's gonna be a little baseball segment. Um, you heard enough of Austin. Now you're going to hear a lot of me, hopefully. Hopefully you guys aren't tired yet. We're in this final stretch. Um, so all in the outfield is just going to be some baseball news um, around the around the outfield. Like I said, it's not going to be specifically Rangers unless the Rangers are pretty big on it. But uh, to start off, I um, I did a little bit on it um, at the beginning. I teased it. So the Phillies last night were the first team to use facial recognition for tickets. Instead of your phone. So you didn't have to scan in. Um, if you had the ballpark app, uh, it asked you, it was like, hey, do you want to try this feature today? It would scan your face. And you went up to the kiosk, scanned your face, and it said, okay, you have two tickets. Go ahead. And it would count the two that's people. Crazy. And then that's it. Uh, I thought that's crazy to me. I, not a big fa- I'm not on board with it, I guess, because like, I'm a big, like, what if it doesn't work? And we, like, we rely on it. Like, oh, my gosh. Now yeah. you got to get your phone out, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's almost like, taking people's jobs in some certain sense, which I'm not a big fan of, of like computers taking jobs of like people. Like I used to work at For Ranger sure. Stadium, fun fact. So that was me. I was taking tickets and it was like, imagine like, hey, we kind of just need you to sit there and make sure like it works. And I'm gonna be like, pointless. I mean, I was already kind of just standing yeah, there, but I at least looked like I was doing something. Um, yeah. So um, just quick question. How do you, do you, are you on board with that? Would you be okay with that? Or are you just kind of like, that's kind of getting scary out there? Yeah, I think it's like, it's definitely weird to see. And, you know, like I've seen it in places like the airport or stuff like that, where Mm -hmm. uh, like flying to Mexico, they'll basically, instead of, you know, scanning their ticket, you'll do your facial recognition stuff. So like, I understand it for things like that, but I just, I don't necessarily think it's useful or I don't think it's necessary for something like a sporting event. But I mean, I can also see where like it may be in a better investment for like teams and stuff like that to do. It kind of saves costs on employees or something like that. So I get it, but also definitely, you know, is it necessary? I, I don't think so. Yeah, no, I agree. So um, we'll see if it, it was just that one stadium. I think it was just the Phillies testing it out. And hey, maybe next season at the All-Star game, we're watching the, the All-Star game here in Arlington. We're going to be using our face to get in. So yeah, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, Another thing, so uh, the 23 draft class um, that just got drafted, what, maybe two months ago, maybe? Yeah, Already making was, some crazy moves. It. Yeah, I think yeah, it was like two months ago. Like July, early June, early June, for sure. So Yeah, yeah so maybe, two, maybe two months, if anything. Not even two months, yeah. Yeah. So um, the first thing that was called, was that caught our attention was that the Angels are basically, I mean, they were all in, right, and traded for Lucas Giolito blah 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 and now they're bad and they some for some reason activated Mike Trout today even though I think they should have just shut him down they're definitely out of playoff contention um they should have traded Otani but that's a whole different thing we'll see how that goes for the offseason for them um but yeah they called up their first baseman Nolan Chanel I think it's uh, I don't know how you say his last name sounds good to me but he got called up uh getting drafted four or five weeks ago and they said hey playing first base and you're leading off in front of Otani. That's so, so good luck. Crazy. So, uh, so I guess crazy. he was tearing it up, but I was like, it's like if we called up Wyatt Langford, which I would not be opposed about. 
That was a little bit <laughs> of my tease at the beginning. Was I talking about Langford or was I talking about Carter? I don't know. But I think that's just crazy to me how, like, where it just shows how you draft out of college and not, like, the high school guys. Because, obviously, you're not going to see that from high school guys. College guys yeah. are a lot more closer to being ready, but the potential is just a lot more higher, I think, for high school if you do that. But, yeah, he Absolutely. got already picked up. And um, that's, like, crazy to me. Like you said, like, what if we see White Langford called up and you're just like, holy shit. Um, and then I mean, we talked about it last week. If um, Langford could become called up to double A at some point, promote him, get him up there, get some at bats. Um, we see Paul Skeens already got moved up to double A and Dylan Cruz as well. That's uh, for the top four picks right there already making moves. Uh, I think the Angels had picked him at number seven. So as just shows you how this draft class was this year. And I mean, as it looks like for now, it is a little bit more when we get to Rangers baseball, like outfielders what we need and maybe we see Wyatt Langford starting for us next year or coming up mid yeah, mid season. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of talent in that draft class and I think there's there's more and more prospects I think every day that are getting moved up like that. So, yeah, which is really impressive. Yeah. yeah, another uh big thing I didn't write on there, but Paul Skeens is living his life and he has Levy Dune or <laughs> Levy Dunn or whatever as his girlfriend. So he's living the life. He's pumping a hundred at the uh, with Pittsburgh and then he has Levy Dune as his girlfriend watching him play. So that's pretty cool. Um, another thing, yeah. which is bad for the Rangers, fucking J-Rod, bro. I don't know if you've seen mm-hmm. this, bro. He was, he had 17 hits in four games. Yeah, I did not. He was 17, I know, for, I know, yeah. 17 for 22. Yeah, that's unbelievable. And I know that he was like, 17 the for 22. Seattle's been, Seattle's been like unbelievably hot right now. Since so. the All-Star break. I think they're like something like 32 and 12 or what I told you. 32, Yeah, I think you said 32 and 12, which is and like, I think they won today because they played the White Sox. Um, yeah, the White Sox and then, just filed their, fired their general manager yeah, they, too. Yeah, they're also. cleaning house, I think. They're trying to do some Rangers yeah. stuff. Maybe it's like, hey, the Rangers last year, they cleaned house, and look at them now. Look at them now, yeah. So um, he also uh, – so J-Rod did something that we – if you listen to it and you go, man, it doesn't seem like no one's ever done this before. It's because no one has. Uh, he surpassed the 16 hits by Milt Stock by the Brooklyn Robins in 1925. Yeah, I can't see. He ever bumped ever up his average, Stock. I think, by like 12. His batting average went up by like 12. 12. That's crazy. Already like 500 plate appearances. Yeah, 500 plate appearances in already. And just to bump it up that fast in a week. Is yeah, and like it just shows like it's just base how baseball is. J-Rod had a really rough start. I remember people were comparing J-Rod's stats to Leody Tavares, and I don't even want to talk about Leody Tavares oh. right now. My God. <laughs> but they were like, oh, look at this. Look at these stats. And then look at J-Rod just being J-Rod. Rick, uh, uh, was he Rookie of the Year? Yeah, he was Rookie of the Year, right? I think he was Rookie of the Year. Yeah, he's Rookie of the Year. Yeah, and then he was in the Home Run Derby, blah, blah, blah. He's living life, and he also bagged um, Antonio Davies' girl. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, Jordan. Jordan uh I don't know how to say her last name. I don't know what her yeah, name is, but she went player. from Davies to J-Rod, and I'm just like, wow, okay. So that's J-Rod. He's <laughs> living the life, kind of like Paul Skeens. So um, <laughs> another thing, sticking with Seattle and how hot they are, it's pissing me off. It's kind of scary. We'll get to that again when we get to Texas Rangers talk. But Luis Castillo versus the White Sox last night threw 47 consecutive fastballs to the White Sox. Yeah, and they didn't catch on until like maybe towards the end. When you when you saw that, or when I when I saw you write that down, I thought it was a typo. I thought it was like bullshitting. But there's the forty. How many innings was that over? I was I was trying to. I know? never got to figure. I was trying to figure out what the, like if someone wrote the stat line of what his That's like from where from what inning to what inning. Yeah. 
but he just threw 47 consecutive fastballs. He was just pumping in. He was like, you know what? These guys aren't hitting. I'm going to just keep throwing fastballs. And I think he maybe gave up one run, if anything. I know the final score was like 11-2. to two, but Yeah, he went yesterday he went seven innings for five hits and one earned with nine strikeouts. That's 47 straight <laughs> 47. fastballs. And you tell me you don't catch on after seeing 20 consecutive fastballs when you're up on deck and the guy strikes out. He goes, hey, man, he's just been throwing fastballs. Why don't you just sit fastball? Like you guys <laughs> are in the dugout. Like, hey, bro, he's he's throwing just fastballs. Hey, he's throwing just like it just shows you how things checked out they are, and how like yeah, disrespectful. Yeah. It's like when you play like Oakland or White Sox, you're just like, dude, I I could care less. Yeah, and like you said, maybe they were up already by a big margin. He said, if I give up a solo shot, I give up a solo shot. He's like, I'm just trying to get out of this. I'm just trying to take me out, coach. And it's just crazy <laughs> to me the level of disrespect from Luis Castillo. That's, against the White Sox. Yeah, that's yeah, that's crazy. And hey, maybe they saw that yesterday, and then they just decided to fire the managers and the yeah, GM or whatever. They, they said, said that's, hey, yeah, you guys it was a fourteen idiots. to two loss. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they said you guys saw forty seven fastballs, and I don't know what y'all did with that. I don't have the numbers for it, but not enough clearly. Yeah, you got cooked. You got cooked. <sighs> yeah. So, wow. I don't, and then we'll talk about okay. Now that's that's all in the outfield. Hope you guys liked it. We're catching balls out there. Pause. Yeah. But um, hey. <laughs> now we're going to go to uh, the jinx of the week. Um, yeah, We have it pretty bad I, here. It started with Austin. Yeah, so I, I'll give a little bit of background, right? So Yeah, you, know, you have we, a lot. You have a this big is like, list. This this. Is, yeah, I got a big list, right? So you don't, one of the things when you start a podcast, you don't think about the fact that like, oh, everything that you say is recorded and you can think about it. Like, oh, wait. Was this right or was I wrong? What am I? What's my batting average? You know, going back to Ollie and Outfield. Well, you know, let's flash forward to the first episode. We were talking about the Women's World Cup. I said that I thought Brazil was going to win the World Women's World Cup. Well, later on, the after the night after we had recorded the podcast, Brazil proceeded to lose and then get eliminated in the group stage of the World Cup. So that's you know, strike one. Week two, you know, I'm. We're recording and I'm talking about Harry Kane and I was like, oh, Harry Kane's going to stay. He's going to stay at Spurs. He's not going to go to Byron. With Kane, you know, Spurs are going to have a chance to compete for a title. Well, literally 24 hours later, Harry Kane ends up moving to Byron, playing that weekend for them. So that's cool. Flash forward or rewind back to last week. Well, Ollie starts talking about, you know, starts talking. And the one thing that he, he and we were talking about the Rangers and he was like, oh, hey, you know, what do you think our record is over the next six games? Um, well, and I was like, ah, four and two, we've been playing really well, good baseball, four and two, three and three at worst. We're, the sixth game of the Rangers is underway, and we'll talk about it. They currently went on to lose the next five games. So uh, maybe the it's longest just, losing streak uh, of the season. Maybe longest maybe losing streak of the me. season. <laughs> so, and at first you know, I was like, Jinx, we're, we're good luck because ever since we started our podcast, they went on that eight and no run. They're longer yeah, seven later, right? and we're like, dude, this is the longest win streak. Like, we got to keep going. Like, they're they're we winning because of us. But now it seems like they're losing because <laughs> of us or you. Power I'm gonna say you, jinx. not me. I'm yeah, I think it's got to be me. Ravens gotta, lose because I mean, of me. You're not. I'll take that one. You're not clear. You're not. You're not in the clear. <laughs> I was like, I'll take that I one. Like I that. said, yeah, yeah. I talked about the, the Ravens, Ravens preseason uh, record. And we talked about, hey, do you think people like the Ravens are trying hard for it? Or do you like, does the league around look at them and look at those fucking tryhards? Look at those pussies just trying to win <laughs> preseason games. Like, we could give two shits. But the commanders gave some shits. 
Did you see the they way did. they reacted when they won? They were pumped. They were pumped. They were so happy. So clearly, people do care about the preseason record they and finally care. got snapped. I was like, all, all my years watching football, yeah. I was like, obviously, preseason, who cares? And the one time that I started a podcast, I was like, hey, let's talk about the, the preseason record. Like, you know, they're going crazy. And then all of a sudden, it's over. It's Dunzos. It's cooked. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's. We'll see what I say this week that is jinxed next week. You know, jinx of the week. If we have something that's jinxed, we'll come back. You know, we'll fact check ourselves. That's we're gonna be an honest podcast here, and we're gonna face our adversity head on. But just know, when we do get something right, I will. You be will hear it. You will hear. You'll it. hear it. You'll know. You'll know. You'll hear it. And you know, kind of coming to the next segment, our last segment of four is you know hot take of the week. What do we think is what do we think is gonna happen? And whenever what I'm about to say eventually happens, you will see me taking a victory lap. I just want I want everybody to know this. My hot take of the week is that Maurizio Pochettino, the manager of Chelsea, will be fired by Christmas. I think that's going to happen. I, I really do. I think that you invest a billion dollars within the scan, 12 calendar months. You have a pedigree of Maurizio Pochettino of like succeeding in the Premier League. I don't want to say winning because we haven't won. He hasn't ever won the Premier League. I know that from personally. But I think that, you know, he's a great manager, but I just think that Chelsea doesn't have what it takes. I think their recruitment strategy is bad, and they churn through managers like it's nothing. I think they had three managers last season between um, Graham Potter, four, if you talk, Thomas Ducal, Graham Potter, mm-hmm. and then two interim managers. So I think that they're just, they don't have patience. They don't know how to get out of their own way. Mauricio Pochettino will be fired by December 25th. By Christmas time. No, I think that was I a little personal earlier, coming from you, from your little Spurs. No, it is. That might be a little personal for you. 100% is personal. But I think that he has a contract of 2026, and it's going to be cut short in 2023. Three months, four months from now. Wow. It'll be this time you think, and four okay, months. Okay, to add on to that, you think he's sad. the first manager to go in the Premier League? No, 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 no. I don't think so. I okay. think, okay. I think Sean Dyche is the first manager to go. Oh, I'm not Big Sam. Not Big Sam. Not Big Sam. No, no, no. Sean Dyche. Sean Dyche. <laughs> oh, Sean, Sean Dyche is okay, the guy. Okay. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be the first one to go. I think. I think that. Okay. I think right, that. So yeah. So not to yeah, my hot nah, take. Nah. Yeah. Go ahead, man. What do so you, got? you went long term with it, and we both would know. I didn't know what your hot take was gonna be. You don't know what my hot take's gonna be. Yeah, I had no clue. No clue. But they're both they're both pretty long term, like you did. So you went to December. So hey, this yeah. could just mean anything. Um, I've been pretty pessimistic about this. I haven't tried to get my hopes up on anything. It hurts me to say this. Like it really hurts me. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this. No, I don't. But I feel like it's Cowboys. You're it's close. Cowboys. It's not Cowboys. Okay. Not yet. Once football okay. starts, maybe that'll be one of my hot takes. But yeah, the Texas Rangers will miss out on the playoffs. Yeah, that was my second guess. That was my second guess. This right now, I, this, they're getting. I didn't want to say it. The wrong time. They're getting cold. At the I didn't want to say it, but you're three games away of losing, and three games of the other teams winning for you to be out of playoffs. Yeah. And I just our closing situations bad. Uh, you bring in. We'll get to this uh, here in a bit after this, but you. Now we just transit to it. Get screw it. We're transit to it. Texas Rangers. We're talking Texas Rangers. Yeah. Now. They Go will ahead. not be making yeah, playoffs. You heard it here first. Okay. 
Uh, they will not be making playoffs. I'm not confident. If you guys know me, I have yet to like get on social media and talk massive shit. I think the one time I talked massive shit was when Marcus Simeon was talking shit. And I feel like I just had to. So that's when I was talking shit. But I was just, you know, sitting there keeping my mouth shut. Because I was like, I don't know how long we can keep this up for. And we've been on top for so long. And then we lose games. And then Astros can't seem to bump us. Then the Mariners are getting hot. And I thought the Mariners were a really good team from the get-go. I had them second or first between yeah. the Astros. And they decided to get hot all of a sudden. They were pretty bad at the beginning. You know, they traded for Castillo, extensions, J-Rod, and all these guys. They have a pretty good pitching staff. And like I said, it's just, you lose. We went, we won no games. Uh, we go into our biggest losing streak of the season, up to five. Um, and What's the score for that? Are you looking at it right now? I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking it up right now. Give me, you keep talking. I'll tell you what's going on. It's not looking good. So, uh, as we're recording this and they're playing their second game against the Diamondbacks, wasn't looking good towards the middle of this podcast. But... Uh, five to one in the top of the sixth. <sighs> okay, it might be six in a row. So, my hot take maybe is not so hot take. It's just kind of obvious, I guess, that the Rangers will not be making playoffs because the Mariners and the Astros indeed did win. So, now everything goes back one game. So, I think it's like. One and a half and two games now. I, one, I will say I was I was trying to be you know pretty spicy and I was like sitting here kind of cook something up and I, I my second was going to be that the Astros weren't going to make the playoffs so I don't oh, know wow I mean that was that was my second one but I couldn't I couldn't pull the trigger I, I really had a personal vendetta that I had to get off my chest and I it, think it seemed that, like both your hot takes were two personal vendettas they they will and you know I'm a big <laughs> You know, I'm a big like, you know, dance on somebody's grave. And you oh see that God. meme, right? Like, you know, I'm a big dance on somebody's grave kind of thing. And you know, it is what it is. It'll come back to get me. It will. It 100 will. But you know, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna enjoy that dance. I will. Oh God. Um, but we'll try to keep it short and sweet. But when what's behind this Rangers losing streak is that it really hasn't been our pitching until kind of yesterday. And you can't even really blame it on them. I think our starting pitching did pretty well over the spam of the break. We just were not giving any type of run support. Offense went cold. Yeah. Um, and then last night's game against the Diamondbacks, whenever this one's filmed, but it was the first Diamondback game. Uh, you go in and you have Montgomery uh, pitch a solid eight innings at a really Crazy, good pitch count. Great game. Great game. And I was going to ask you, do you, if you're in that situation, do you roll Montgomery out there again, try to get the complete game shutout, or are you okay with I bringing in Chapman? Yeah. No, I think I think you have to. I think that you. I say that you have, to, you have to give him that. Yeah, you have to give him that opportunity. I think he was what at like ninety four pitches, ninety five pitches going into the ninety four, ninety two. I forgot what, but it was a ninety four, ninety two. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was something like that. So going into the ninth inning, I think you know he's done everything right. Why? Like, what's the reason of taking him out? I think that's at that point in the season you need to do something to stop the skid so i, I mean i guess i get it chapman has, has been pretty good this season especially since he with the rangers he came to the rangers from uh, kansas city mm -hmm. so i i understand the decision but i think you know hindsight's 2020 and i think looking back at it was the wrong one and that's the thing i mean that's baseball i mean you could bring two scenarios up within the last week um that bruce bochi yeah. on today on the fan i was listening to them they had him interviewing today um and he goes back to, like, I mean, you, you talk about when they went to go play against San Francisco, extra innings, and um, you put yep. in Will Smith um, instead of um, probably Chapman, I think. 
and you could have mm-hmm. flip-flopped him, and then Will Smith gets two outs, and he got the two outs again this time, and then you give up. He gives up the home run to Patrick. Uh, I forget his name, but the guy uh, from the Giants. Is give, it Marte? Marte? Yeah, was so the, yeah, Marte was this one, and the Giants one was uh, the Giants series back then. Was, so it was the same yeah. pitching situation. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you give up a homer with Will Smith, and then you come this time, and you're like, okay, you know, he probably – like hears or whatever says, Hey, our fan base has been bitching at me that we should put Chapman in a closing role. You put Chapman in a closing role and he gets out and then he puts a split finger right down the cock to get some Marte and just pimps it. So I don't know what, like it was just bad placement. It was one pitch. Yeah. Like you said, you, we say now it's probably the wrong decision. We don't know if Montgomery does it. We I think it would have been the fourth time yeah. he faces them. It would have been lefty, righty, yeah. same thing. And, but like, if you do it again, it's like, you have Chapman with the heat, like you have him up and ready. You'd rather be safe than sorry, but you don't like that's yeah, the thing. We don't well. know. We could talk about all these predictions. What could have happened if you kept him in? I don't know. But I, I think I was I would have been more on your wave, like, let's give him a shot. Give him a shot. Even though it was if one he, run, say, he, say, he gives up a just, solo. Keep him time. With a short leash. I think yeah, I think you, exactly. you keep him with a short leash, right? You you know, you let let's say you get somebody on second, pull him. Yank him. You, yeah, even exactly. if he you gives up Chapman ready, even whenever. if he gives up one hit, even if he gives up a hit, take him out. I, I think that you just at least give him that opportunity to finish the game out, and you never know. So, yeah, and I think that that's definitely something that is what it is. But I mean, like I said, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, we said it. You know, when we go golf, that's golf, baby. Well, that's baseball. So <laughs> that's you know, baseball. What are you gonna do? You it gonna sucks, do? bro. It sucks. Baseball fucking sucks, bro. I hate this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I don't get my hope. That's why I get my hopes up. We're about to go on a six game losing streak, and we're. I'm telling you. Out, so, um, that's brutal. Yeah, I mean, that's really all I have over the Rangers over the week. Um, there's nothing yeah, really I to mean, talk about other than being cold yeah, on offense. And like you said, I, I I think the pitching's been fine. It's just the. Uh, Got to get the bats going. Josh Young coming back would be great. Uh, we're looks like we're about to get Aovaldi back, so I mean that's big time. But like, still, like I said, pitching hasn't really been the issue. I think tonight has kind of been the worst pitching performance that we've had. But we just got to get the bats going, and I think that's you know yeah. that comes from from somebody like you need you know Marcus Simeon to get to get hot. You need you know guys that at the start of the season that were that were raking and, you know, were pretty successful to, um, to get going. And I sent you a tweet earlier today and, you know, the offensive skids. skids from the Rangers was crazy. Adolis Garcia, three of his last 27 and seven in his last yeah, seven. Don't even get me start on him. I told you, bro. I've, I've been a big hater on Adolis. <laughs> I, on my team, I yeah. don't like to be like, it's just, I've been, You're I have him hater, on a short bro. leash. That is crazy. I have him on a short leash. You are like, a he, hater. I see him swinging at stri- or balls in, in, his, in his eyes, bro. And he swings. <laughs> and I'm like... What are you doing? You see what I mean, bro? Like, and, but then he gave, yeah, he gave us the one it. run yesterday. And I said, okay. And I didn't even give him props. You texted me and I said, about time. That's literally what I said. <laughs> I didn't even say, let's go. I said, about time. About time, you homers, bro. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it's just, it's abysmal all the way around. And then I kind of got that you had mentioned earlier, Laoti. He's three of his last 22 in the last six games. So we're just, we need somebody. We need somebody to give us a spark. It can't be Corey Seager every single game mm-hmm. because eventually he's going to, he's going to fall. So we need somebody, but yeah. I mean, yeah, that's kind of all that's the, that's all that's left on the Rangers. I mean, hopefully, you know, by the time that you and I are at the game on Labor Day, they're kind of back up and kicking. 
we might just be out of playoffs content contention. Don't say by that. The time nah, don't say that. Don't say that. Yeah, you gotta stop being a pessimist, bro. You gotta stop being a pessimist. Uh, like and one um, more thing, we'll be on the on the road for the remainder of the season, uh, the remainder of the month. We're gonna go to, to New York. Um, and then who else do we have? Do we have the Mets or the Yankees? Oh, is it Mets and Yankees? I don't know. I'm asking, oh, you. I'm um, asking you. Is it Mets or Yankees? I thought it was the Mets. It's got to be the Yankees. Or- oh, we go oh, Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota. Minnesota than Mets. That's that's what I was trying to figure out who was in between. Okay, four it's game Minnesota series and Minnesota. Mets. You know, maybe we prove that the AO Central is dog water, and we can you know sweep that. You better hope so. Yeah, Boy, and then the one Mets, thing that I like, I yeah, Mets are Mets, and you're probably gonna see. Uh, never mind. I don't think you'll see Scherzer against them. He'll probably play a pitch against the Minnesota. He pitched last night, so one, two. No, nah, he'll pitch. I think he'll pitch on Monday. Nope, that's John Gray. Yeah, he'll pitch against the Twins on Sunday. Nope, I lied. He'll pitch against the Twins on Saturday. I don't know. We'll, so, yeah. yeah, but and one see. thing, like I said, with the um the guy that maybe gets called up and puts Leody on the hot seat. I mean, we saw it with JP. I'll make it short and sweet, but um maybe you see Evan Carter get called up and they say, "Hey, screw it." Sorry, we need something. Skip Triple A. Skip Triple A. I don't know. Maybe. I, I can't say I wouldn't maybe. be uh, opposed. Wouldn't be opposed. So. This is about the time last year that Josh Young got called up. Yeah, but we were bad so. also. Yeah, that's probably fair. That's fair. And he was bad too. But, but that was like just before we did. Yeah, that's. Yeah, so. we didn't. Yeah, what is but it? Yeah. But anyway, uh, try to round out the last little bit of the stuff going around. We've kind of gone really long today. Um, the Cowboys. So they had their second preseason game. Again, preseason results do not matter. I do not care about them in the slightest. Uh, ended up losing 22-14 to 14 in Seattle. Uh, one concerning thing, though, about the depth of the defense is that we gave up four 25-yard or more greater plays in the first half. So, wow. you know, short yard of stuff, we're doing all right, but just giving up big chunk plays, that's a pretty big concern. That's something that you have to like, you really have to figure out. You can't have happen, especially when it comes to the regular season. So, you know, hopefully it wasn't a lot of starters and it wasn't a lot of, you know, guys that are going to be playing every week. And I think I saw one tweet making rounds. It was like Deron Bland getting cooked for a long touchdown or somebody of that caliber corner getting cooked. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, Trayvon Diggs at it again. So, it might have been, I think, Eric Scott Jr., which I was pretty high on too. Over yeah, um, so it was, it was somebody or training cooked, camp. But, yeah. but, it wasn't our guys. So, um, and then a big kind of concern from the game is we lost two guys to torn ACLs. Uh, Demarvin Overshawn, who was a third round pick from the University of Texas at linebacker, he was really, really impressing during camp. Um, so it's kind of a big blow that we lose him because he could have he could have provided pretty good linebacker depth. Um, kind of behind guys like Micah and Van Der Esch and you know Jabril Cox and stuff like that. Yeah. And then uh, we had an undrafted tight end, John Stevens, also towards ACL. A lot of stuff that I heard about him was that he was performing pretty well. Um, yeah, he was a he was a camp. wide receiver turned tight end, is what I heard. Yeah, so I I feel like he probably could have been a, a probably a practice squad guy or a special teams contributor. So mm-hmm. definitely sucks, and you know for those guys, two rookies to kind of tear their ACLs and and have their season shut down like that it definitely sucks but yeah that's what i hate about that's the nature um, of the these beast, preseason man. games bro you see guys end their season like and it's like you said it's, it's guys that are trying to fight for their position still obviously trying to make that's the it. 53 man cut and then you got stuff like this that happens to you and you just don't know if you're ever going to get that chance again if you're on your yeah, rookie contract exactly. yeah you like if you get like drafted and stuff like we're talking about like undrafted guys or, or like, you guys you just pick up you know it's just like yeah. i gotta prove myself and you get hurt, exactly. and like, what do you and do? Like, there's nothing you could have done differently. 
Exactly. So especially freak stuff like that, it's just what are you gonna do, man? You get rolled up or you just not contact like Yeah, I don't know if you saw the play where he got hurt. He was like towards the sideline and I mean you kinda like but it wasn't thing like someone like, you know, like knee to knee or like like a bad tackle. Like it was just like his foot like just kinda like planted wrong and like made his knee go the other way. Yeah. And that's that's like a even greater discussion on I know Seattle was a turf like a turf um turf field so it's an even greater discussion that there's like constantly going on in nfl with, with players like turf and the owners on, on turf or turf versus natural grass so maybe that doesn't happen on a natural grass field you know the grass maybe gives and you know allows his foot to slide versus you know getting stuck in the turf so it sucks man but unfortunately the nfl is a business and it moves on and is what it is um so we have some other like other big concerns are offensive line depth um Offensive Bad. lineman Matt Willetsko just had a, another shoulder injury. So he missed his rookie season. It was last year or the year before um, because of shoulder surgery. But the good news on the injury is that it was his opposite shoulder from the shoulder that he had surgery on. So not like it's a recurring problem or anything like that. But he was in line to be our like basically our second string tackle on both sides. So he was going to be the swing tackle, be able to play both sides and all that stuff. So definitely kind of a concern when it comes to depth. Um, but I was, I did hear something from, it was either Steven or Jerry or um, Big Mike that said that, you know, we're not really concerned about the offensive line depth right now. Um, that today was the first time that our full starting offensive line has practiced together since camp of last year with Tyron God. and Tyler Smith. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Having everyone being, healthy. Uh, having everybody healthy. So going all the way down the line and like, at first, it was Tyron Smith that wasn't healthy. Then healthy. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I don't remember who was hurt. Then Ty- Terrence Steele was hurt. Terrence Steele, yeah. Uh, Terrence Steele was hurt, and then like Zach Martin was holding out. But today was the first day that we had all five offensive linemen starters healthy in practice, practicing together. So that's, I mean, that's a big, big deal for the Cowboys. And you know, hopefully, we get that you know great ball of Dallas kind of back and, and kicking and, and rolling. And you know, hopefully, it kind of shows. But the thing you know, is, one of those Tyron guys Smith is going to go down. Lion, oh, Lion's going to go yeah. down. Bro, are you going to be a pessimist? Are you going to be a pessimist no matter what? Have you not, what been, you have you not been listening to me <laughs> this past few weeks? You know where I'm at with this, bro. I'm I'm down here. I'm down here with him. But I'm saying in general, not just the Cowboys. I mean, yeah, we yeah, have Tyron Smith. Just, that's probably going to go down by week two. Yeah, I'm saying in general, oh, Lion, there's just some big guys that just take one guy getting yeah. under them or just like, ugh. And that's just a lot of weight. Yeah, that's, a, that's a big boy weight. So... I'm saying like, yeah, man. Old lines so, are hard to get. I get it. It is. Yeah, and no, I get it. And I'm, even worse. I'm, but like, it's not that a lot of people have old line depth, though. It's not. It's a NFL yeah, reoccurring thing. It's it's tough, man. And then, uh, yeah. So, uh, other big other big storylines around the Cowboys. They play their last preseason game this weekend against the Raiders in Dallas, which is cool. They play Saturday at seven. Um, and then Stephen Jones was kind of on the radio. I think it was today. And one of the big quotes that I saw was, you know, they were talking about Jalen Tolbert, and he said that Jalen Tolbert has been extremely impressive during camp and is firmly, firmly planted at that wide receiver number four. So we had kind of talked about him, I think, each of the last two podcasts about how, you know, he's mm-hmm. been really, really impressing. And that's something that's, you know, really good news to hear. And having a second year guy like that step up and, and really be, really be kind of entrenched as one of the guys is, is really impressive. So, and then the last thing is should, and I know I kind of texted you about this is should, or will the Cowboys trade for Jonathan Taylor? 
I it's probably not likely, especially after Zeke um, and giving Zeke a big contract. And I know Jonathan Taylor, like one of the big things that he wants with his next team from the Colts is or after the Colts is he wants a contract that guarantees him money. And, you know, I, I genuinely don't think that the Cowboys will do it again after they paid Zeke and they saw it backfire. So, you know, it's a pipe dream. I've seen a lot of a lot of people on like Sports Center and ESPN talking about it, but I, I don't think that it's something that is legitimate. And I think it would have to be a first round pick. Which genuinely, yeah, I they're asking I for I think for more of what they gave up for McCaffrey. And McCaffrey, I, I think, was a second like, round pick. So yeah, you're looking for a first, and yeah, so I just and, I don't see uh, like yeah. that's something that's that's gonna happen. It would be sick to to get something somebody like a Jonathan Taylor, but I mean, I think Stephen Jones again said that you know they're pretty happy with the running back room. Uh, they're and that's a lie again, Tony Pollard. Yeah. yeah. Like, they just love so I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't I'd probably put it at a twenty five percent chance that Jonathan Taylor is playing for the Cowboys. Because I wouldn't be surprised. And that's pretty right? big. Twenty five percent is massive, I think. I I wouldn't be surprised if they do something. I mean, we saw when they traded for Mark Cooper, right? That they finally went out and addressed the need, but I mean, how you gave him up for a bag of fucking chips now. So, yeah, that yeah, that's wild. Don't even get me started on that. That was stupid. But yeah, man, that's the Cowboys. So have the last preseason game, and then I think uh, Sunday Night Football against the Giants is their first regular season game. Yeah, we're close to it, man. I'll be on the I'll be on the flight back from California. I think it's September tenth. Yeah, September tenth. I'll be on the flight back from California. I'll be landing like at seven twenty, so like right on kickoff. That's what I'm saying. I'm gonna just hurry my ass. Whatever, man. Boom. Since when did the first quarter not matter? And okay, I say the second and third quarter don't matter. Sorry, <laughs> let me let me reiterate that. My oh, wow. prime prime time on Sundays during a one o'clock kickoff or noon kickoff. You watch the first quarter, take the nap during the second and third quarters, wake up for the fourth quarter. That's the way to do it. Pro you tell me you don't you don't stay up through red zone. No, brother, no, I don't. I sleep right through the second and third quarter every time. I'm on the couch. I'm on the couch. That's the How best you, I'm telling you. You don't have nightmares about your fantasy team? You don't watch your fantasy players? <laughs> what, uh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What, what can wow. I do from my couch? What can I do from wow. my couch? Wow. It doesn't matter. You're running from the smoke. If only me. everyone could so, be as realistic as you, right? Like, No, I'm yelling at my I'm just saying. TV and yeah, yelling you know, at my I'll players. I'll watch it, but I'm saying, like, you know, I, I enjoy a nice nap on a Sunday. Sue me. I don't to tell you. You're gonna get sued. You're gonna get sued. I'm gonna sue. You should be sued. That's crazy. <laughs> Napping through red zone yeah. football. Wow. Crazy. That's insane to me. Um. Yeah, man. And then, so yeah, Dallas Mavericks is the next thing. Uh, what do you got on yeah, the some maps? news at least? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, a little bit. Javale McGee finally. It seems like he's gonna get let go. Uh, I don't know what Thank wave you. and stretch means. What is that? Ten- Do you know what that means? So, yeah. So, basically, like, the remaining amount of money on his contract. So, I think last year we signed him on a three-year deal. Mm-hmm. So, the remaining amount of money, I think it's like, I think he signed, like, a three-year, was it $12 million deal, maybe? Something, Something like that. that. But, basically, the remaining money on his deal will get stretched over four or five years. So, it hits the cap less. <laughs> Even though we is, waived is, him, we're still going to be paying him. Yeah, so we'll pay him. Like on the, We won't pay him. I guess, yeah, we will pay him. But it's like on the cap, it's just stretched over a certain number of years. And there's only – so it's it's good because it frees up a little bit of cap space. You have a little bit more room. 
but okay. bad because it stays on the gap for longer. So that's kind of the the opportunity cost between the two. Wow. Well, that was a shit signing. I remember I was kind of happy when we signed him too. Yeah, I was, I was excited just I because I was great. like, dude, we saw him with the Suns. He teared us apart at some points, yeah. but I mean, I should have known that every damn center tore us apart, and they will keep tearing us yeah, apart. So we make any center look good. Um, he had some different, yeah. some kind of spurs here and there where he would just like be, become like prime Javale that you knew and loved and won championships yeah. with, but then it just just couldn't get going, man. So we're still struggling with that center spot, and we'll see if DeAndre Aiden will be starting for us by opening, by tip-off. Fingers crossed. I don't know. Kim, Clint Capello could be nice, too. Give me somebody, please. Mm. Somebody else yeah. other than Dwight Powell. That'd be nice. Ugh. Um, And then really, yeah, really the uh, last thing we got is FC Dallas is finally back and kicking. We got a game on Saturday, Copa Tejas, between FC Dallas and Austin FC. Nice little rivalry game. Um, I have some friends coming up from Austin that are Austin FC fans, so I'm going to be at the game, uh, and I will report back on how it is, but just kind of give a little like form check going into the game. So Austin FC haven't won since July, or they've won one game since July 12th, which is going on a month and a half. Um, I know a lot wow. of that was during League's Cup action, but they just got obliterated by St. Louis SC, or St. Louis City, and 6-3 in St. Louis. So, yeah, man, that's a high-scoring game. Just a regular game, too. No no pins or anything. I, I guess Austin had a penalty that they converted, but still, mm-hmm. like, unbelievable. So, I think FC Dallas has kind of played a lot. They played a lot of really, really good ball kind of in League's Cup, and I, I'm really, really hoping that that's something that they can kind of continue doing and, and keep going um, kind of through the, the end of the season. I know that this is the first time all year that they're out of the playoff picture. I think they're sitting in 10th place and Austin is in 7th. So a really bad form kind of going into the League's Cup and definitely something that they're kind of going to need to pick up and, and hope that they kind of figure out and do do well. But, yeah, man, that's that's pretty much all I had. I don't know. I mean, do you have any other – we kind of went pretty long today, which is good because we had a lot of good conversation, a lot of good stuff to talk about. Right, I think about, that's but... good, yeah. Uh, we had some different segments in, and, you know, it was a big introduction yeah. to you. It was the first day of class, uh, longer than expected. Yeah, you know, I thought it was going to be yeah, five minutes. I thought, it was just, I thought it was just syllabus and that's it. But no, gave me some homework. Yeah, man. Kind of mad about that. I'm but... long-winded at times, which is <laughs> I need to figure out. I need to figure out because my throat cannot handle it. <laughs> yeah, you Pause. need to know when to stop, bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but no, anyway, I think it'll, okay. it'll get better next week. It'll be fine. I think you'll finally get yeah, the professor yeah. thing going. You'll have it down. And yeah, it'll be, we don't have to talk as much because I think hopefully I did my homework. And Yeah, it was a history we'll lesson. Talk you know, I, had to give you, I had to give you the yeah, exactly. background that we can figure it out. So Exactly. But anyway, well, that is another episode of Austin Ollie. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, follow us on TikTok. Follow us on our socials. Um, Mine and Ollie's socials will be in the description of the podcast, in the description of the YouTube video. Um, our TikTok, our account TikTok will be in, in all that as well. So, yeah, man, we'll be posting TikToks kind of throughout the week, um, doing all that stuff. So, yeah, go boost us, go give us some love, uh, share, and, you know, tell your friends about us. It's, it really helps us grow. And, and, you know, we're having a lot of fun doing this. And, you know, we may not have a ton of people yet, but, you know, we're working, we're growing, we're getting bigger. We're getting there, we're getting there man. It's our month anniversary. We're getting there. So, yeah. That's it. That's it, man. So, again, thank you guys so much for listening. This is another episode of Austin and Ollie. We'll see you guys next week. Adios.